Welcome to the conversation with Priya. Today, our guest is Dr. Sandeep Sancheti. Dr. Sandeep Sancheti, known as an institute builder, is the vice chancellor of SRM Institute of Science and Technology, Chennai. He holds a PhD from the Queen's University and Belfast, UK, after obtaining a BTech from the Regional Engineering College, Warangal an MSc from Delhi College of Engineering in 1982 to 1985, respectively. Prior to this uh, current position, Dr. Sanchati was the president of Manipal University, Jaipur Director, National Institute of Technology, Delhi, and director in ITK, Surat Khal. He was also served as a director in charge of NIT, Tiruvanchpalli, NIT Calicut, School of Planning and Architecture, Delhi, and mentor director of NIT Goa, NIT Pondicherry, and NIT Sikkim. He was also the former president of AIU, New Delhi. Dr. Sanchiti begins his professional career at MBA Engineering College, Jodhpur, as associate professor in the department of ECE in 1984, and later moved in Malawi and Regional Engineering College, Jaipur as associate professor in 1990. He has published more than 75 research papers in the several national and international journals and conferences. If I'll talk about achievements, to name a few. Recipient of the Commonwealth Scholarship and Fellowship under Colombo Plan from the 1982 to 1995. Awards the SCRC Fellowship by DST Government of India in 1998. UKISTRF Award by the British Council in 1999 to 2000. Member of Microsoft Indian Academy Advisory Board. So these are the few achievements. So tonight, today, our guest is a uh, very uh, great educational, I admire the person, Dr. Sadeep Sancheti. Please help me to welcome in conversation with Priya, Dr. Sandeep Sancheti. Welcome to our show, uh, Conversation with Priya. Thank you for joining in. I would like to ask you a few questions, but before we start, can, can you tell me something brief about your journey? Thank you. Thank you, Priya. I'm very happy to join you and greetings to all the viewers. I'm Professor Sandeep Sancheti, Vice Chancellor of SRM Institute of Science and Technology located in Chennai. But we have several campuses and several sister organizations across India. So we have Pan-India presence. We are one of the largest university of the country, which is a self-financed and a deemed university with a strength of around over 50,000 and faculty strength of around over 3,000. Sure. You're one of the largest. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm also uh, uh, a former president of the Association of Indian Universities, a body which is probably 80, 90 years old, and uh, a body which came into existence much before our statutory bodies like AICT, UGC. And that helps the uh, Indian academic world in many, many ways. And in addition to that, in past, I've been director of uh, seven NIT's National Institutes of Technology, yeah. one School of Planning and Architecture, Delhi, and one university, Manipal University, Jaipur. This yeah. is my 14th year, which I'll be completing very soon in the next few days in terms of this kind of a role as a director or a vice chancellor of an institution. Very yeah. happy to join you here. Very, very interesting journey. So that, that 
you know, the achievements when I looked at and um, I, I was really amazed. And I'm always surprised when I see the Indian institutes are doing so great in this different aspects. There are a lot of new innovation coming by from the universities. Um, we we are actually looking at is IIT, Manipal, all that universities are, do, are contributing a lot in the in Indian Indian society, um, bringing a lot of new things and introducing great talents. When you see the professional education has changed a lot over the year, could you share your insight on the changes and what it means the student of professional courses going forward? Yeah, Priya, I think the changes are, I would say, uh, far too many. I wouldn't be able to capture all of them or most sure. of them and also contextualize them because uh, what happened 50 years back, I cannot necessarily say definitely. But what happened 35 years back when I came into profession, I'll try yeah. to relate it to that and what is happening today. For sure. I would like to say that. Yeah. So I'll probably take some points discreetly, not necessarily in the logical order. Number one, I would like to say that when I became a teacher, our whole effort was right from our class number one to 40th or 45th class, generally a semester would be that much long, yeah. to cover the syllabus. And once we cover the syllabus, there'll be a sigh of relief for students as well as for teachers that everything is covered. Yeah. This used to be the concept for us, but... Yeah. All of a sudden, you can say the concepts have changed by 180 degrees. Today, our role is not to cover the syllabus. It is basically to uncover the syllabus, to bring out the potential of the, uh, the, the subject we are teaching, to relate it to why it is important, how it is related to your past and how it's going to be connected to your future is what we need to tell. And mm -hmm. therefore, the classroom delivery, teaching, learning, etc., completely is changing from cover to uncover. Yeah. Uh, uh, and it took time, by the way, for people like me also to understand this concept. Over the last 10, 15 years, I've been following that. Yeah. Similarly, the exams used to be very, very secretive, and in some cases still are very secretive. I'm sure yeah. you have appeared in some of them sometimes. <laughs> now it is going to be the open book examination. Right. It's not going to be closed and secret. Oh, examinations used to be singular examinations that you will appear in your examination and get grades. Now it is going to be group examinations. Yeah. You used to sit in examinations. Now you can give standing examinations. Okay. You used to write the examinations. Now you can speak in the examinations. Interesting. So many concepts are changing which are there. I would also say that uh, earlier we used to have course, curriculum, syllabus, everything decided. And then the institution with the lens starts searching for teachers who will teach that. Yeah. And eventually it will so happen that some tough subjects, there'll be no teacher will be ready yeah. and they'll be dumbed on some teachers. Right. So we didn't give any weightage to teachers and, mm -hmm. and we forced teachers to teach what uh, may, might not have been their specialization. Right. Once again, that concept is also going to change. Rather yeah. than making teachers around the courses, now we have to make courses around the teachers. If Sandeep yeah. Sanchet is good in something and he goes to New South Wales University or somewhere, let's say, he should be allowed to teach what expertise he brings to the table. So mm. that concept is also changing now. Mm. So similarly, uh, I, I would say that the specializations which were offered earlier, whether it is the engineering or whether it is any other discipline of BCom, BSc, 
or uh, Bachelor of Arts, they were very, very rigid. Now it is going to be open disciplines, multidisciplinary, interdisciplinary, transdisciplinary kind of framework is going to be there. And the last point, if I can bring out in terms of change to you, these are the changes which I've seen over a period of 35 years. Right. And and the last change I would say is the uh, the the entire work, at least in India, in terms yeah. of what we were delivering as an education, mm-hmm. was primarily regulatory body centric. What UGC or AICT said. Right. If I still diluted it in last few years, it became institute centric. That what the vice chancellor or senior professionals in the institute are saying. Yeah. Even if it percolated down to the lower level. It happened to be teacher-centric that what teacher is saying. Right. But it never became student-centric in the last 35 years. Yeah. Now it is time in India where we are talking about the student-centricity. And student-centricity is what we are referring to, Education 4.0. Right. Okay? And like Industry 4.0, Education 4.0 is a new set of things which we are discussing and in last 40, 50, 60 years, I can say virtually we were in education 3.0 only. We didn't move. Mm-hmm. So education was a slow mover, but with technology and with various other things, it has become a fast-changing game now. Right, right. So, I mean, government is working a lot recently on, you know, government policies and all. And, I mean, I have seen a lot of changes during my lifetime since I started schooling until now. Um, and uh, definitely we are producing better talent right now. So how important it is to include innovation and ethic in sur- curriculums? Do you think innovation can be nurtured or is it inborn? Uh, <laughs> difficult question, this one. Uh, one thing for sure, easy answer is that both are very, very important. For sure. And currently, there is lack of both of these components called innovation as well as ethics in the education yeah. and in general in the society. We are very routine-centric and tradition-oriented. Uh, our resistance to change is very, very high. Yeah. And that is why the innovation coefficient or component is little low. Yeah, ethics also for some reasons. If I'm talking in Indian context and some other countries, maybe it's pretty bad because uh, the level of opportunities or number of opportunities are far too less than the seekers, and that's where the ethics also got distorted. But I don't think so. There is anyone who in the world would uh, deny that these are not important. Yeah, the real challenge is how to inculcate these things as practice or embed them in their mind that how yeah. important these are in long run in life. In yeah. short run, anything succeeds, but in long run, every every other thing doesn't succeed. Yeah. And therefore, in India, of course, there's a lot of emphasis now being given on ethics, value, various objectives, various uh, mottos, and various other such messages which are yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. And ethics, for example, uh, I can do a lot of engineering, but will not be environmental centric or beneficial, then it will be wrong engineering. Yeah. And therefore, we have started teaching ethics, values and such courses in our first year, second year at the entry level and lots of other optional courses which are yeah. there. And uh, not only that, we are also doing things related to constitution and history and uh, maybe, maybe, maybe 
some related courses on environment and such things which are there yeah. to all the graduates so that they become more uh, broad based and they understand yeah. the uh, these aspects very very clearly mm-hmm. so ethics is getting delivered how much of it will make an impact time will only tell because yeah. there are many other societal aspects which will actually impact the ethical practices when yeah. it comes to innovation uh, uh, yes uh, till some time back 5 years back i was a strong believer that uh, innovation is something which cannot be taught and uh, and and by the way uh, uh, india was on the cusp of uh, setting up some 510 innovation universities and i used to laugh at it yeah uh, i still partly believe in that that it cannot be taught because innovation has to be practiced innovation has to be allowed as a mental thought process innovation has to be promoted by letting students ask why what when how kind of things when they are getting yeah. educated and question everything yeah. so to a large extent it has not happened but people have understood the importance of innovation how mm. to deliver it innovation is still being questioned and being experimented with like in srm itself we are trying to partner with uc berkeley and various other agencies within india to yeah. bring design concepts the innovation concepts the incubation concepts the concepts of uh, entrepreneurship because they are all interwoven they are all related to each other if yeah. i do innovation it has to see light of the day it has to be useful to the public and innovation in my opinion by the way is also partly commercial invention is purely technical innovation unless there is a value for money or return on investment in what you have done as an innovation it doesn't work well and therefore it's part of the commercial world also and therefore innovation is a very comprehensive big term but it's now being followed and attempted in india in a very very nice way yeah. and a lot of our students through hackathon through various other competitions through professional bodies through through everything possible within the class and special projects and special assignments mm. they are trying to do it and therefore i would say uh, both are important both yeah. are integral to every aspect of our life professional or non professional education mm. however to some extent external conditions also define them beyond the beyond the education domain itself for sure and i also believe that innovation is something it comes from within right so if like you know very few people have that kind of a extra iq and if they have that should be facilitated a lot of talent we have noticed in past that it didn't make as good as they could have because of the environment lack facility lack support and major major reason um i noticed that it is more of a social context like the society might not have supported as well as it could have been but i also believe that innovation is something comes in our community it's like a hardwired you know uh, can i add some value to it while i agree to that i have started believing that it can be nurtured also by exposing you to something and by external conditions also it can be nurtured we know indian businessmen they are there all over the world they are hardwired for business and business needs lot of innovation but uh, the point uh, i would like to say is uh, innovation also uh, has to do with the uh, environment conducive environment uh, yeah. 
for example if i come from a average family my parents would expect me to take up a good job rather than worry about my innovation quotient because yeah. they need support from me so the ecosystem uh, makes a difference but i'll not touch upon anything in the ecosystem but one point which is very close to my heart and i have written about it is what i'd like to mention in india we lack what we call the risk taking capacity or potential we fear the failures yeah we fear that if i fail with my innovation what will society tell me or what will my friends tell me and they'll yeah. run away and they'll go ahead we don't take pride in trying new things but we are more uh, wanting to be secure and we are wanting to be away from failures and that is what is imposing restrictions on our innovation yeah unfortunately majority is thinking like that but if somehow we can shift that paradigm you know would yeah. be interesting to see how our whole society is turning around especially the kind of educational system we are going forward we are actually trying to implement the policy the support system the government and even the parenting is also changing so overall i'm assuming that society is going to change and it's going to bring better talent in the future i was reading world economic forum's data and it says that india is like a youngest country right 70% people are less than 45 years old right mm-hmm. youngest country and we have youngest talent but very uh, it is a kind of a challenge that we are not preparing for the workforce in the education system as much as you should be it's more of a theoretical and also the serviceability we need to improve right mm-hmm. if we will improve our serviceability i think we will be more ready for world world is actually seeing our talent you know when i go i mean i live in sydney i recognize and as an indian and by nature people think that i am good in maths and science you know <laughs> by default they things like that so uh, so the point i'm trying to make that we have already created a perception that we value education our society value education right but if we can change something and the education system can include that serviceability concept i think it's gonna change the whole entire world the way we are actually approaching um going forward yeah. what do you say i agree with you on that uh, certain things we do very very well and people's perception all over the world is clear on what indians are on their capabilities but we need to be going into multiple dimensions there yes. are certain dimensions where we don't question ourselves don't question the basic don't question our teachers or certain practices and that's yeah. where the the little limitations creep in into our 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 potential of innovation yeah 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 for sure so that brings to my next question what's your view on the you know shortfalls of the current educational system are the government not doing enough to create the next generation for you know technocrats or entrepreneurs mm this is uh, something which is always going to be a debatable thing uh, priya because uh, government will always try to do the best because they get recognition for that and they feel happy and comfortable about it but every government would have the limitation yeah india being very diverse and very thickly populated have different sets of challenge compared to some of the advanced countries 
where any new experiment can be attempted very easily and if you fail you can close it and if you succeed you can continue yeah in india failures are not accepted and continuance of any big thing is not easy either yeah, yeah. and therefore in technological terms being a technologist i call india suffers from a, a phenomena called non linearity of scale of operation any yeah. scheme which i'll seed will suddenly for a given input the output will become saturated for that it will become flat if you see some of the curves and graphs which you draw yeah. that you give more and more inputs but the output remains to be the same yeah. kind of a thing mm. and that is what i call highly non linear so non linearity of scale in india mm. is a challenge the diversity is a challenge uh the other challenges which i would possibly say is not necessarily related to government uh i would say that for some right or wrong reasons the teaching profession lost sheen in india unlike many other countries especially scandinavian countries where it is very highly regarded and rated actually uh, in india uh, uh, i have done 14 convocations as i was telling you that i've been in this position yeah and every time i tend to ask my graduating students that how many you would like to become teacher yeah i think a large number of them will laugh at my question right why am i asking that this question they probably i should have known that they not become teacher so our problem in teaching profession or educational setup right now is many many teachers are teachers by chance and not by choice yeah that is the biggest pitfall and those by yeah. chance keep trying their hands here and there without mm. focusing on the profession once they come to the profession and right. therefore they become second raters in terms of delivery in terms of education yeah. and that is how the education system suffers a lot that is yeah. uh, the second point i thought in addition to non linearity of the scale and the third is uh, uh, there are two more points so i'll give you the third one yeah, sure we don't have any projections as far as what is required in terms of education in india right what did about ba bcom bsc which are generic degrees but if i have to ask you that i want engineers and doctors then how many engineers and how many doctors of what sort of specializations are required and by which year no such projections are available to us yeah nobody in the country has been able to do that or has attempted it very seriously they might have attempted it but no 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 outcome visible outcome from that yeah. as a result we are always following the traditions and the trends which are happening world over if it is picking up do bt is picking up do something else is happening okay create manpower for here there but for india centric requirements we don't have any projection how many mining engineer how many metallurgical engineer how many mechanical engineer yeah forget these are old disciplines if i yeah. talk of the new disciplines of engineering like food technology fire engineering fashion technology uh, finance engineering or finance technology we hardly know anything that these disciplines exist and what is needed in that so without a target in mind we are working and obviously with that we don't necessarily achieve what we should have achieved or what potential is there and the last is uh, possibly uh, which was partly covered in innovation that yeah. as of now we are lacking a lot of creativity we are not oh, trained sure. setters we yeah. are not trained setters and as a result we are always following what rest of the world is doing yeah and and that's why our education is uh, is uh, maybe above average 
but is still not the best uh, yeah. that is that is what I, is but the government is doing its part and particularly in nep 2020 which is a new phenomena yeah. yet to be implemented fully yeah. you can say that government is giving us enough degree of freedom called yeah. autonomy so that we can go ahead and do all that and they are also going to make the regulatory framework very 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 liberal in my yeah. opinion yeah. and and that will enable us in achieving better targets yeah i was reading that recent um, policy and i am really amazed to say the changes is happening which i i i always believed that it should have been done 20 years ago or something um because if if this policy is fully implemented i have a faith that we are really going to par the world standard if we will implement it and also education society will get much more liberal situation um yeah. to, to create the scenario we were looking for mm-hmm. and i the the second point i would like to mention here that research is i feel like university should look the okay it is a kind of a business anyway right so education is not um a normal um, just a company or a, just an organization not, it is becoming more business and it is a business right so if you look at a business aspects we should do and spend some time and you know the expenses should go a little bit on the research what kind of a talent we required going forward where we are heading 2025 to 2030 and 50 so like i always believe we should also the education system should definitely force the whole education system if this generation is going to be out in 20 years down the line what will be the profession required at that time right yeah. at that time not what we are teaching today because the schools are not teaching what we require 20 years down the line correct right? yeah so if i'm not preparing for future how could we expect that talent will be ready to support the requirement coming up in the future right yeah so yeah it remains to be a challenge uh, of course uh, all of us are aware of these kind of challenges particularly the top leadership and uh, research also like innovation uh, earlier we used to call r&d research yeah. and development these days i call it rid research right. innovation and development and therefore it gets related to innovation directly some of the yep. points we already yep. discussed uh, ecosystem is what was not there i still remember 15 20 years back when i returned from uk in 1995 yeah i was trying to do many such things and my colleagues in my own institution will laugh at me that this guy is trying to show off by, by doing research and something like that that was the notion we had in some of the institutions not all some yeah, yeah. not all ones and therefore this notion has changed now everyone has accepted research to be an integral part of this yeah. this policy is also saying that and mm-hmm. now we are appointing teachers for research we are appointing people for research we are giving pathways to our students for research right from second year third year onwards and we are doing purely research based degrees and in any case the doctoral programs have been given a lot of emphasis in recent times which are the seeding ground breeding ground for the research yeah. which is there Yeah the next thing which we require possibly in research is a good involvement of industry in that indian industry is right now not very much involved in innovation or their own developments they are generally doing well but they are doing well only for production supply maintenance kind of a thing 
by borrowed technologies and technologies transferred from wherever. Yeah. But they are not having their own in-house uh, requirements for that. Very few examples are there, like Tata's did for Nano and various others. Now Mahindra's are doing a lot. So it's started happening. And I believe uh, research will become a focus in times to come for us. Yeah. Some of the good institutions like SRM, it's already there. In fact, six years back, we appointed 150 faculty members purely for research. Most of them had postdoc experience and yeah. most of them had experience at least for one degree outside India. Yeah. So that is the in, uh, intention with which we are working now towards research. That's and as a result, some of us are doing well off. Yeah. So, I mean, I like I was uh, looking into the PhD students here and there are a lot of industry actually sponsor the students to do the innovation and research through the industry health. So it's actually a scholarship was is given by the industries. Um, the project is for industry, um, but it is actually supported by the scholars as well. So it's really good handshaking. Uh, from both sides, the educationist and the entrepreneurs, and it brings uh, amazing achievements in Australian society when it comes to sure. the innovation and you know. You, you are right. Yeah. Our hands are coming closer, but it's still a little apart, I would say. But yeah. we are coming closer there. Yeah, okay. yeah. So it's very interesting, and it will be interesting to see if we know that is when I say research. I I would like to see when you do the research data that I need say 20 or 30 candidates for quantum computing, like, mm. com you know, government is spending how much 52 million rupees or something, you know, um, on the quantum computing, Google is actually already succeeding in some ways, but once it is launched, how many workforce is actually ready to support that kind of a technology? right? How much it is required to support that technology. So if I know, like, say I need 2000 students or 2000 workforce or 30,000 workforce, then we can actually start enrolling in the schooling system and, you know, we can. Yeah. yeah. So that, that's what I was saying that the end point, what <laughs> do we need at the outcome level? We have not specified right now in India. Yes, yeah. That uh, planning is lacking. We have big plans for certain things. But in terms of manpower planning, our methods were not very, very well founded or well understood or very targeted. Yes. So hopefully someone would listen, listen to what you have said, uh, Priya, yes. what I am saying, and hopefully it will change. Yeah, I'm sure we will look forward to that change. But next question brings like skill education is, is still concentrated in the cities. So do you think it is time to take it to the, you know, grassroots level? Also, how important is upskilling? Okay, skilling, um, I, I would not necessarily agree to the point that it is limited to cities. Hmm. Uh, I would say that, yes, high-end skills may be limited to cities, I'll agree. But yeah. there are a lot of low-end skills, uh, maybe when you're looking for a job where a plumber, someone is becoming plumber or this thing, in, in certain contexts, it's considered to be a slightly different yeah. in terms of skilling. Or maybe you're a welder or you you may be whatever uh, like that, yeah. uh, carpenter and like that. So... Uh, I don't think so. Skilling uh, is dividing the rural or the advanced or cities-like uh, settings. Mm -hmm. Only thing is the cities uh, will have slightly better opportunities in terms of different kind of skills compared to the yeah. rural settings. 
And unfortunately, a lot of skills which are required right now are not necessarily hands-on skills alone. You, mm-hmm. In addition to your hands-on skill, I've seen many students in my life whom I taught, they were not at all good in English. They were not yeah. at all communicative, but they were the masters of the trade, which I would probably expect them to be, let's say, in electronic design. They will do just like that. Now, the problem is the complete set was not there, and therefore they did not probably flourish or yeah. do well or got recognition. Yeah, yeah. So in cities, you get a complete set. In the rural settings, you get a le- uh, smaller set, what you can say. But I will still say India, in terms of its innovation, in terms of its skill, is still banking on the rural settings, and a lot of good things are coming from them, especially yeah. when I see the agriculture and rural household and various other things, the kind of innovations which I see going in public media are from there only. So I would not necessarily divide the skill into that sort of a thing, but I would still say that the skills, uh, advanced skills are like maybe analytical skills, maybe communication skills, maybe problem-solving skills, maybe something more of imaginative skills. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. are uh, uh, certainly uh, poor in the, in the in the rural setting, and we need to take it to the grassroots level. Yeah. We had an initiative long time back, fifteen years back, of which I was a partner. Yeah, it was called as a grassroots innovation augmentation network, Gyan. Uh, you know the meaning of Gyan is knowledge. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it was called as that, and we used to support many things. For example, a lot of young people would like to do the firecrackers during Diwali, which is approaching now, but young ones cannot light the big crackers. So there was a machine developed that they can light uh, big crackers and still enjoy the thing safely. Yeah. Similarly, a lot of us used to drink the Western tea or dip dip tea, which was made using the simple machines. Yeah. But we also developed Indian tea vending machine, which will boil it and add milk and add masala and all that. So what I'm saying is these all came from the people from the uh, low level of skills or rural skills which are there. And therefore, we need to nurture them. I'm sure a government is taking a lot of institutions to those yeah. places. We ourselves are going there. Uh, for example, SRM Institute of Science and Technology, we own eight villages, right. which we call under Unnat Bharat Abhiyan. Unnat yeah. is basically progressive India drive, you can yeah. say. Under that, we own eight villages and we support those eight villages in everything which they want, be it dealing with COVID, be it with food scarcity, be it with education, be it with environmental planning or road infrastructure, be it their education and greening, everything we try to do. We get support from India. We pool our resources as our institutional social responsibility and we take it to them. So like that, you can say the rural India is now becoming better, is thriving. Yeah. And yeah. fortunately, the communication has gone, the TV has gone, the internet has gone, the mobile has gone, the transportation has reached Indian park corners of villages, and so is the electricity now. Yeah. And therefore, that rural and uh, this gap is probably getting bridged. And person like me, given a chance next five to 10 years down the line, I will not be found in a city. I'll be talking to you if I get get that chance from a rural setting doing something very very different yeah very interesting and uh, to be honest I am from the rural setting so I grew up in a village I came from the village when I came to the city side I have no English skill you know and I'm in Australia so it's 
it's the power of support and it's the power of society gives you the enthusiasm and the family support brings you you know mm-hmm. to the level where you want to go if you are willing to do um, um i i've been noticing there are a lot of youtubers actually showcasing what different innovation the people ca- are not very educated but they are doing something you know amazing amazing youtube videos are uh, you know evolving from the rural setup so the yeah, reason for that is they have uncluttered mind yeah your and my mind may be cluttered because we have been forced to grab so many things and we yeah. cannot think beyond boundaries but they think beyond boundaries because they are uncluttered and that is why india is going to thrive with their support and their work yeah and a lot of population is there and they they are some people are just unstoppable and they are their determination level is very high so i'm yeah. sure we will see something that brings to my last question online education is slowly replacing the conventional system of education do you think it is good or bad uh good and bad is always contextual yes context can be of a country or a covid situation or a personal thing yeah under the covid situation i doubt if anyone can say that online is bad if online is bad then let's just stop it and all of us will lose one year of our life sitting doing nothing getting frustrated yeah i'm saying about these students basically so in under the circumstances online is very very good yeah okay. but that doesn't mean that the other avenues which we use for ages in education 3.0 conventional education is bad no i have understood education 1.0 to 4.0 all fully even the yeah. gurukul style was very good even when the books and printing and other things happened it was good when the invent of uh, iit and computers and internet happened is also good and now with student centricity and therefore you can say to support all these things which are there we need all sorts of models whether i need a gurukul model some of the high tech and high top brass go in hibernation for a week go on an island sit with a guru and guru teaches them what is that that is gurukula only even now it is happening and therefore i won't say that any form of education whether it's a blackboard whiteboard teaching or whether it is online offline teaching uh, is wrong or right yeah when it comes to indian context something went wrong with distance education because when it uh, got opened up we didn't have the regulations rules frameworks very yeah. clearly defining it yeah. Yeah. so it suddenly become uh, became a flooding kind of a thing a lot of people thought this will be an easy opportunity for them to grab or go for degrees they embarked on that but resultant was not very very good mm. institutions also didn't think seriously about that and as a result distance got a very very bad name and there was a body called distance education council in india you might have heard of that yeah 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 that, that got this part of it yeah. yeah yeah that got dismantled some 5 7 years back wow. because it did not function the way it probably could have mm. and with that bad name the online education is also termed partly as the distance education that you don't come yeah. in contact with teacher yeah. so that also is suffering because of that uh, that impact of that erstwhile failure or bad name sure the virtual also is facing the same kind of a fate that virtual is not real and obviously virtual is also distance in whatever 
So that's also fear, uh, probably having the same thing. But now, having seen the COVID and COVID making you survive, you find that there is a value in this. So yeah. People have started yeah. taking distance virtual and online in a very, very serious fashion. Yeah. I have coined a word for all of them put together. And I call it as a flexible education. I want to get rid of the old and the unpopular names yeah. and call it flexible education. Why? Because this kind of an education has potential to teach me or make me learn anytime, anywhere, any mode, any language, any yeah. speak, various things which are there. Sure. Okay. And, and once it is there, so it becomes a student dependent that what students want. Yeah. And therefore, it's a student centric. And therefore, you can possibly say that it will become popular amongst the students and yeah. it will slowly replace the conventional methods. And therefore, the online will be the new flavor of the times to come. Online will be a part of it. Yeah. Strengths will be a part of it. Uh, the face-to-face the -face education will be a part of it. Various other things will become part of it. Even the uh, skill and vocational education will become part of it. So suppose I'm trying to get a degree which requires 100% credit of a given program. I'll earn 20% from skill or vocational things, 20% from Blackboard and contact teaching, 20% yeah. from distance, 20% from online, 20% from industry exposure yeah. or internship. And I'll make my 100 credits and I'll come to my institution and say to my institution, here are my credits earned give me a degree and yeah. that will be given to me and therefore online will become very, very popular in times to come. Yeah. Fortunately, if you have noticed in Indian new education policy, there are two things which are indicating that. Number one is called as the ABC, Academic yeah. Bank of Credit, mm. on which I'm also working as a part of the UGC committee. And in fact, uh, one of our meetings immediately after this interaction happens yeah. that committee. Yeah. So uh, Academic Bank of Credit means I can transfer credit carry forward credits yeah. throughout my life and become a lifelong learner. That is what possibly will make uh, my education very blended and online will be an integral part of it and there'll not be any challenge. And this stigma which uh, online or distance has right now probably will be wiped off, maybe wiped off earlier if it, it is called as a flexible education because I can do the same education from 20 to 80. At 80 years of age also, I would like to study, read something new which okay. is coming. And therefore, I need not go to class and online will be my main source for studying yeah. rather than going yeah. to class. And if That's you're a answer. lifelong learner, like I, I always, I am a learner. So I like to read at least a book a week, you know. Mm -hmm. That's my yeah. personal choice for a long time. It's been 20 to 30 years I've been doing it. If I look at that credit-wise, I have done so many certification and all, uh, but that technology got outdated. I'm, you know, I have no credit for that. But that's gonna definitely help people to value add in themselves. You know. Yeah. The second thing in this dimension, which I was trying to refer to, is even the skilling in the laboratory part can be done virtually, and yeah. there is a thing called virtual labs, which we started ten years back, but now it is going to be more well accepted uh, in, in the country. It wasn't earlier, people didn't like, but now they understand the importance of this. These two things put together, and these two are the good indicators from the NEP, which tells us that the online will be the new world for education. Very interesting. So in your word, I would like to ask, what's the success? 
what would you like to define a success to the younger generation, you know, and the students coming out to the workforce? Uh, okay. Uh, one thing, the students, I do not know whether they would like to listen to this or not, because they have their own ways and means to define what is success. Uh, I'll, I'll do it in two ways mm, to talk about success. Mm. First is I'll negate what success should not have. So one thing uh, we should certainly say that success is not necessarily perfection. Yeah. Okay. Uh, success is uh, always a journey contributing effectively. It's not one single thing you have done and you have called it success. That's fine, but it's basically a journey. Yeah. Success is more of doing and attempting right things. Yeah. And whether you get the result or not, but doing and attempting right things is yeah. whatever is there. Yeah. In any case, we know success is opposite of poor performance, uh, but uh, I'll not peg it to that. Poor performance is part of life. Sometimes it happens. Yeah. When head comes, the tail will also come. They go hand in hand. Good goes with bad, white goes with black, signal goes with noise, and so on and so forth. Yeah. And therefore, I will say success is when you can take your failures in your stride is what yeah. I would like to define my success. If I can absorb my failures in my work, that will become my success. I have to cover my failures and I'll become successful yeah. even if I have to attempt it five, ten times. Yeah. And I have a special phrase which I coined some time back, some five years back which consists of five P, which I follow in my life. And that is my mantra for success. And that is poor planning. I'm sorry, you can say proper planning in this case. It can be said both ways. Yeah. Proper planning preempts poor performance. Yeah. Proper planning uh, uh, obviously delivers the right results. And therefore, all the five Ps, proper planning preempts poor performance. Right. That is my success mantra. I have failed many times, but I have come back with the success in the same issue with more attempts and with better plan. And that is what I'll try to define success yeah. as. Yeah. And I think true creativity and innovation comes from the failures and failures and failures. And because any science project cannot be finished if you are not failed 100 times and succeeded at one time. So you learn more from your failures than from instant successes. For sure. Instant for sure. successes are recipes for long-term failures. Yeah. But a couple of failures are recipes for long-term success. Is what for, I sure. Would say. for sure. So that's brings to our uh, end. And uh, people can find you and I'll be putting all your details, university details on in our description. People should be reaching in, you out universities um, to ask their questions in detail. And thank you so much for joining today. And I'm pretty sure this is going to be really valuable, especially your five P's. People should listen and follow that one. Thank you so much for joining in today. Thank you, Priya, for this opportunity. I hope uh, our uh, conversation will be of some use to someone. But I'll be very happy to receive comments or suggestions or ideas. Or if I can help anyone through offline mode also, please let me know. I'll be happy to For sure. do my part. So Thank you. Yes, don't, don't forget to like, share, and comment on that and below and ask questions. We are ready to answer your questions. Thank you so much. Okay, great. Thank you. Namaskar. Thank you.